What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Red Zone, episode number three. That is the week five sit, start, and chart episode, along with talking about not selling, but exchanging. I am your host, Memphis, at DFF Memphis, and this is my side hustle. This is the Fantasy Red Zone. Still coming to you live on the Dynasty Warzo link, although this will be the last week you will be able to find it there. If you're looking for it next week, you'll have to go to my Twitter handle and find the links, or you can just go to iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, etc. Find the Fantasy Red Zone and go ahead and subscribe. And while you're there, since you're subscribers, leave me a five-star. I'm trying to get this thing off the ground as a secondary podcast that in the off-season will be a lot of fun. I want to get back to the Dynasty roots of the Dynasty Warzone. Both shows will be episodic. Both shows will be every single week. The Dynasty Warzone will always be on Wednesday. During the off-season of the NFL, the Red Zone may go to like Friday or Thursday or what have you, but you're going to get one show from each show each and every week. So that's what's going on. Getting ready to get into some starts, some sits, some charts. Before I get into that, I want to talk about the exchange game. Now, what is the exchange game? So a couple weeks ago, but have been right before week four, I was talking about how Corey Davis had never had a 100-yard receiving game, he'd never had more than six receptions, and he had never had a regular season touchdown. And I just said that I, th- I think I was out on Corey Davis. I'm selling Corey Davis. Well, Twitter did not like that. I was merely pointing out facts. Everything I said about him at that time was factually correct. And I got a lot of blowback. People are like, you don't know and the, the situation. And I'm like, I, I just want out. And, and a lot of the comments were, like, you're crazy to sell low. And that's where I'm like, well, what, what? back the truck up a little bit. Just hit the brakes, put it in reverse, and back it up just a little bit. I never, I never said sell low. I did say sell. And I just, like I said, I wanted out of the Corey Davis business. And then the very next day, he went out and proceeded to put up two catches for 34 yards. Didn't say anything, didn't clap back at the Twitter peeps that had commented on my post from the day before. I didn't think it was uh, good form. You know, just because I was right doesn't mean I have to rub everyone's nose in it. And then this past Sunday, he had an absolutely great game. He had 15 targets, nine receptions, a touchdown, well over 150 yards, and just an all-around great game. But I got the clap back back, so I, I kind of find that I kind of find that a little bit funny. But I, I want to go back to my original point about Corey Davis as a sell. I didn't say sell low. I didn't say go out and take the first 2019 first-round pick that someone throws your way. That that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if someone comes along and makes you a reasonable offer for a proven asset. Or maybe you have to give Corey Davis plus a little something to get a better asset. Because right now, Corey Davis and Juju Smith-Schuster were in the same draft class. But I don't think you could get Juju straight up for Corey Davis right now. Maybe you could. Maybe you could. I doubt it. You would probably have to add to Corey Davis. But that's the kind of trade I would be looking to do. Do, do I think Juju is more talented than Corey Davis? Not necessarily. Maybe. He was drafted higher in the NFL draft, so at that time... NFL executives thought so, but it's not about that. It's about Juju having extremely talented guys around him. Lev Bell when he's actually back out on the field, even James Conner, Vance McDonald. 
you know, I buried the lead, Antonio Brown, Vic Benz as quarterback, great offensive line. I mean, Juju has all that working for him, and to me, it's no wonder why he had success early in his rookie year. Now, let's flip the script a little bit and talk about Corey Davis. He's in Tennessee. His quarterback is always hurt, or at least he misses time every year. His backup is Blaine Gabbert. His running backs are Deion Lewis, and I still kind of like Deion Lewis. I know his metrics have not been great in 2018. And then Derrick Henry, who would have been a great running back in like 1993, but 25 years later in 2018, not so much. His skill set just does not translate. And then the supporting receiving cast. Delaney Walker's hurt, so you're left with Jonu Smith, Tywan Taylor, and a good offensive line, and an offense still finding themselves. It's, it's like dating a really attractive person that, that you're super into. They're great. Everything about them is perfect, except that, you know, their family is a dumpster fire. And you know that when you marry this person, that you're going to be hitched to that dumpster fire for the rest of your life. And that's what you're doing. When you make this commitment to Corey Davis, you're inheriting Marcus Mariota and the running backs and the offensive line and the defensive-minded head coach and the the offense that is yet to, to really yield consistent results. Yes, he had one good game, but I'm not looking for a one-off. I'm looking for consistent, every week, dialed in, I can count on this guy, production, and I have yet to see that from Corey Davis. So I'm looking to get out of the Corey Davis business, but I'm not looking to give him away. I called it the exchange game. It's like buying any product. If you go to a store and the product that you buy does not meet your expectations, you return it. You go back, you get your money back, or you swap it out for a different product. And that's what I'm talking about doing with Corey Davis. I wouldn't take a product back to, say, Walmart or Target and say, hey, you know what, I paid 50 bucks for this, but if you want to give me 25 to get me out of your hair, I'll do it. No, I wouldn't do that. I'm not giving away that value of the $25. But I will take and get my full refund, or maybe I'll do an exchange and I'll go to the same department, find the same item, or something similar to that I think would do a better job than the one I'm returning and move on about my day. And that's what I'm talking about doing with Corey Davis. And you could substitute Corey Davis for Dalvin Cook, who's underperformed, uh, or just anybody. You know, don't give them away and don't give away value or sell them off in a rummage sale. You know, get your money back, get your value back, and just move on to what you think will be a more consistent asset. So I just wanted to cover that real quick before I get into the rest of the week five games. Still feels odd saying that week five. Uh, let's re- let's review Thursday night's game real quick. I'll start with my Colts. You know, Andrew Luck for me. I argued this with some friends of mine on Twitter and in a group chat that you know Andrew Luck's a start, and you know it took a little garbage time, but 365, three touchdowns, two interceptions, one of which was not his fault. The Receiver kind of batted it up in the air, and the defensive back snagged it. So great play by the DB. So wasn't a bad throw, but all in all, solid performance for Luck. Well over 20 fantasy points. And then my man Naheem Hines. I've been on Naheem Hines all season since the Colts drafted him. You know, he continues to support my support of him. Uh, 22 total touches, 90 yards, 7 catches. Just a nice overall PPR workload. And this is going to continue. This team is not going to be any better. They can't run the ball. Uh, They're going to be passing a lot. Andrew Luck has passed well over 100 times in two games. You just see where this is going to be a PPR, negative game script. 
kind of fantasy goodness for the backs and wide receivers that catch the ball. Uh, and then the tight end, Eric Ebron. Holy cow, what a night. Nine for 105 and two TDs. The second TD was very garbage time-ish as Eric Swoop went down at the half-yard line and then Luck hit him on a nice little pass to get a second touchdown. But hey, they all count. They all count. It was over 30 points in PPR, so great game by Ebron. And then Swoop, who I just mentioned, who they signed off the practice squad a couple of times this year, had three for 44 and a touchdown of his own. So I've heard a lot of people say, well, wait until, wait until Jack Doyle gets back. Well, based on what I saw last night and what I saw on Sunday, there's plenty to go around. And it's not like Chester Rogers and Zach Paschal and Ryan Grant are running away and hiding with his job. I think in an ideal situation, the Colts want to line up their two tight end sets with Doyle and Ebron. You want to have T.Y. Hilton out there, Naheem Hines or Wilkins in the backfield, and maybe Marlon Mack. And, and then either Rodgers or Grant at the other wide receiver. I don't see this being a team that would want to use a lot of 11 personnel because they don't have three good wide receivers. I was excited for Deion Kane in the preseason. He blew an ACL out, and we'll see what he brings to the table next year. On the New England side, Tom Brady going to Tom Brady. Good for him. Uh, 342, three touchdowns and two interceptions. And neither one of these were really his fault as Chris Hogan created one with a really weird, very similar to what the Colts wide receiver did. And Gronk. Gronk's was originally ruled a fumble, and then it was changed to an interception. Nonetheless, at the end of the day, Tom Brady's still an amazing play at over 40 years old in fantasy. Sonny Michelle, another great game, 98 yards. He had 100 last week, got in the end zone this week. Uh, my only concern, and it's a very, very, very small concern, is that he's not involved enough yet in the passing game. And that's because James White's busy getting 10 receptions for 77 yards. He did get in the end zone again. This guy continues to be a PPR or half PPR monster. Edelman was back. Looked like he didn't miss a beat. 7 for 57. Gronk did okay. Luckily, he didn't get charged with that, that fumble. It was booked to Brady, so he finished with 6 for 75. And then Josh Gordon. This is going to be the most polarizing, debate-creating thing to go on out of this game. He had a nice, you know, sandlot football jump ball over two defenders. It was great, and it happened to be Tom Brady's, Tom Brady's 500th career touchdown. But I, I still want to see more. I think it'll be well past the midseason point before Josh Gordon is regularly in fantasy lineups. A lot of mouths to feed New England and you know, volume, 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 volume. And I think for now, Edelman, White, and Gronk are going to get the volume. So Gordon will be a nice guy to have on your best ball rosters, but not someone I'm ready to fire up on the weekly yet in season long or DFS. So let's get into the week five previews, the sits, the starts, and those charts. And remember, if you're new here, you might say, hey, Memphis, Memphis, my friend, what, what is a shart? Shart's a fart with a lump in it. You know, you think you were going to fart, and you wind up pooping your pants. And as I relate that to fantasy, a shart, in this, this context, is a guy that you think you should start, but ends up pooping on your lineup. So let's go to the first game. It's Baltimore going to Cleveland, giving up three points with an over and under of 46 points. And I'm going to get to the starts on the Baltimore side. I'm definitely starting Joe Flacco in two QB leagues, and I don't mind him in DFS 
if you want to pay up somewhere else. Cleveland is giving up an average of 25 completions per game and 7 TDs in 4 games. That's an average of almost 2 per week. And you, you, know, you just saw last week where they gave up 437 yards to Derek Carr, 4 TDs. I think this is a great matchup for Flacco. Double check the weather, but as long as the weather's good, Flacco's a great start. Not a bad streamer if you've got your normal you know, QB. Maybe you've been, as odd as this may sound, you've been rolling Fitzmagic or maybe even Mitch Trubisky in a two QB league. You know, if you got, you got a Flacco share, there are worse options this week. Obviously, I'm playing John Brown. Continues to look great. Cleveland's given up the ninth most receptions to the wide receiver position. And he, he's just looked really solid since he got out of the desert of Arizona and is playing out there in Baltimore. Crabtree, if you need 10 PPR points, he's your guy. Uh, I think he, the most he's had is 13. I think the, the fewest he had is 10. So if you're looking in that 10-11 range and that's what that's what floats your boat, Crabtree could be your guy. I'm not super high on him, but, you know, bye weeks are upon us, a lot of deep leagues out there. So Crabtree, yeah, the tight ends in, in, in Baltimore, uh, none of the above. You know, when if Hayden Hurst could be back, Mark Andrews had a game a couple weeks ago, Max Williams, uh, there's a fourth guy, and just way, way too much going on there, the tight end position. I'm out on the on the Baltimore tight ends. As far as the running backs, I in DFS especially, I would rather play Buck Allen. I don't trust Alex Collins in the fumbles. He feels like he's one fumble away from losing that job permanently. Kenneth Dixon will be back at some point. He's on a one-year deal. There's no loyalty to Alex Collins. I'm not saying to cut him or sell him cheap. Remember, we just talked about not selling low. You're waiting for a good sell window to move off of Alex Collins if that's something you're going to do. Kick it over to Cleveland real quick. I'm definitely not playing Baker. Nothing against Baker, but Baltimore gives up an average of 200 yards, well, 207 to be you know fair. To the quarterback position and they're only giving up a 54% completion rate to the QB. They're getting Jimmy Smith back at cornerback and they've only given up five passing TDs all season but they've created four picks. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not playing Callaway. I'm not playing you know I'm not playing Duke Johnson, Nick Chubb. Just not, not enough volume. Not, not enough going on. I can see where you can't get away from David Njoku. He's actually coming off of his best game of the season from a reception and a yardage standpoint with five for 50. So I I don't love it as Baltimore is very tough against the tight end, but you got to do what you got to do. And then my sharts for this game, uh, Carlos Hyde and Jarvis Landry. And again, it's Baltimore. I don't love the matchup. Landry's coming off his worst game of the season. He did get in the end zone for a touchdown, but he only had four receptions for 34 yards. And I, I just really see if... If anyone really gets a lot of work in this game, I think it's Duke Johnson, although Baltimore does not give up a lot of receptions. So just to recap real quick, starting Flacco, starting John Brown, kind of meh on Crabtree, not starting any of their, of their tight ends. And I could see where you'd start both running backs, although I prefer Buck Allen, especially in daily, because he's much cheaper. And the point totals have been about the same. On the Cleveland side, you know, I'm, I'm playing in Joku because tight end is just such a mess right now. And that's really about it. You may not be able to get away from Hyde, but don't expect a ton. So let's go to KC, where the Jacksonville Jaguars come a-calling. This game's got a 49-point over-under, which I find to be a little bit odd, as good as Jacksonville's defense is. 
but we'll see. Vegas usually has this stuff pretty nailed. So on the KC side, you know, Mahomes has got a tough matchup, but I, I don't think you can bench him. I think you got to keep rolling with him. It's not ideal. Maybe in a, in a deep dynasty league, maybe you're sitting on, in, in a one QB league, maybe you're sitting on Mahomes and Phillip Rivers or Mahomes and even Aaron Rodgers, and maybe you can, but in most leagues you can't. So, you know, don't sit your studs, you roll Mahomes. I'm really interested to see Tyreek Hill and Jalen Ramsey go to battle. Uh, they've been trading a little bit of shots in the media, and I just really look forward to this. It should be an interesting game. And I, I actually hope that's a strategic tactic by Hill. Uh, Kareem Hunt, I do not like this at all. He's coming off of his best game of the season. I called Hunt a shark last week, and it blew up in my face as he had season highs in just about every statistical category, including rush attempts, rushing yards, receptions, and receiving yards. So... Hard to get away from your studs, guys. I am setting Sammy Watkins. This is a tough enough secondary with Ramsey and Bouye as it is, plus the fact he's fighting a hamstring. I, I'm, I'm out on Sammy. On the Jacksonville side, I'm definitely starting Yeldon. Uh, Lindsey and Freeman from Denver both had good games against this Kansas City defense last week. Uh, Kareem Hunt, excuse me, not Kareem Hunt, but those two guys each had a touchdown. And then ASJ. I don't mind playing ASJ. I had a gentleman ask me on Twitter earlier, hey, would you play ASJ or Austin Hooper? And I'm like, man, ASJ all the way. Kansas City's given up an average of 90 yards per game on six catches to the tight end position. So you may see where Blake may have to target him a little bit. And if he gets the volume, I think he'll get you some points. So, And let's be honest, if you get 10 points out of the tight end position right now, that, that kind of feels like, like stealing. So... Uh, sits on the Jacksonville side. I I'm sitting Bortles. I would much rather play a Flacco type over Bortles in a one QB league, or you know maybe you can pick Flacco up and stream him. Bortles is already doing Bortles things. He's right there around that QB one average. But man, I, I just don't feel like I can play him. We just saw Case Keenum struggle at Kansas City. If it was in Jacksonville, maybe. And I'm not playing any of the Jacksonville wide receivers because much like the Baltimore tight end game, it's very muddled. And I don't like guessing because it could be Cole. It could be Dee. Don't know. Don't care. I can find a better option. And then my shark. My shark in this game is a stud, and it's Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is playing a Jacksonville defense that held Gronk to two catches for 15 yards. And I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to be afraid to find another option. So obviously you can't get away from Kelsey. I'm playing him in the Scott Fish Bowl. But I, I'm just warning you, this could be a very shardy, shardy, shardy situation for Travis Kelsey. All right, let's head to Buffalo, where the Tennessee Titans come a-calling fresh off their win of the defending world champion Philadelphia Eagles, and Tennessee is going to give these Buffalo Bills three points in one of the lowest over-and-unders of the week at 39 points. On the Tennessee side, I'm, I'm starting Deion Lewis. Buffalo gives up the seventh most receptions to the running back, and I, I like Deion Lewis. He's a PPR back, and you're, this is going to be a theme. I, I kind of got on this theme with James White and Naheem Hines in that Thursday night game. PPR backs right now, the satellite backs are all the rage, and the plotters and the thumpers like Derrick Henry and Jordan Howard, man, they can leave you really, really wanting more. Uh, definitely sitting Mar Mariota. Uh, the Buffalo Bills have given up zero 300-yard games, including the games against you know Aaron Rodgers, and Captain Kirk Cousins, so definitely fading Mariota, even though he had a great game. 
not playing Derrick Henry. My uh, my hatred for Derrick Henry is a thing of legend. And man, Jonu Smith has not filled the shoes of Delaney Walker, not even one bit. So definitely out on those guys in Tennessee. On the Buffalo side, this is real simple. Sit them all, even Shady. Uh, does not look like Shady of the past. You know, he's on the wrong side of 30. He's got bad ribs or rib cartilage or something to that area. And I I just don't see this being a game where you can play this. The 39-point over and under should tell you all that you need. That tells you that, that Vegas has it something in the neighborhood of like 17 to 21. And I wouldn't be surprised if of those there was a defensive score or a special team score in there. So don't love it. My chart for this game bum 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 it's Corey Davis and I know I'm, I'm not trying to bury Corey Davis but Buffalo is top 10 versus the wide receiver in fantasy and he's going to be going up against Trey White and Trey White had a pretty decent game against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams he shadowed a little bit in that game and I fully expect them to give Corey Davis a little bit of that shadow action so and that and I expect Tennessee to get up not fairly quickly and that's a pretty decent defense in Tennessee. So if uh, Derrick Henry ever had a had a miracle shot at a game, this is it. So be very careful with Corey Davis and temper those expectations. Next, we got the G-Men going down to Carolina to visit the fresh off the bye Panthers. The Panthers are giving them six and a half points. And the over and under this is a, is a pretty you know small 43 and a half points. On the Giants side, starting Odell Beckham, and I'm starting Shep. Uh, the, the Panthers' defense give up about 13 catches per game to the wide receiver position. Uh, they've only given up two TDs to the wide receiver position, but it doesn't matter. I'm playing OBJ, and I'll, I'll, I'll flex Shep. That's Sterling Shepard, for those who don't know him by uh, Shep. Like, you know, me and his peeps call him Shep. But uh, I'm going to roll Sterling Shepard out there as long as Evan Ingram is out. So I, I think he's got a little sneaky value there. Uh, Barkley, but... You know, I don't know this is going to be a huge reception game for him. The, they've given up the second least receptions to the running backs there in Carolina. So you're not sitting any of those guys. Uh, you're obviously sitting Ellison, the backup tight end to Ingram, and you're sitting Eli. I just don't see how, Eli, you can do it. Carolina side's a little bit more simple for me. You're starting Cam. That's a no-brainer. He's a locked-in QB1 every week. Christian McCaffrey, he is like... I can't call him the king. I'll talk about the king of these new style PPR backs here in a little bit. But uh, he's definitely the prince. He's the prince of this new style running back, and he's an auto play each and every week. There's no matchup too tough to start Christian McCaffrey. You're still sitting DJ Moore, the head coach, Ron Rivera, threatened to give him more action. And maybe they will coming out of the bye. But if he does and he gets more action, he's going to get it on my bench. And same with Greg Olson. You know, he re-injured that foot early in the season. But it looks like seen some uh, Twitter footage of him coming back. My shark for this game is Devin Funches. And I have, a, I have a long history of not being a big fan of Funches either, but the, the Giants right now are the toughest matchup for the fantasy wide receiver. And we're talking about a New York Giants team that just held Michael Thomas to four catches for 47 yards. And that goes with the un, that that goes or is credited to the unheralded Janoris Jackrabbit Jenkins. He's a really good corner. He does shadow, and I just see this 
really being a huge game for Christian McCaffrey and Cam, and I don't think you're going to get a ton from the pass catchers. Plus, they're getting you know, supposed to be getting Curtis Samuel back there in Carolina. So, not crazy about Funchess. Uh, next, I'm going to go to New York City, where the Fighting Sam Darnolds will take on the Denver Broncos. Another game, another low under and over total. Uh, 42.5 in this one right here. Uh, on the Denver side, still starting Lindsey and Freeman. I think they both have standalone value. They kind of cannibalize each other, but that's cool. They, they, they both will put up enough to at least have flex value for you. Uh, going to continue to play Emmanuel Sanders. He's looked great this season. So going to roll him out there. Uh, as I think Demarius Thomas will see a lot of Maurice Claiborne. And speaking of Demarius, he's on the sit side. Um, it makes me sad. I tweeted this out during Monday night's game that just it looks like he's completely lost a step. And that that's too bad. Demarius Thomas, a few years back, won me a lot of money in fantasy football. So he'll always have a little special place in my heart. But he will not have a special place in my lineup this week. Can't, can't do it. Sorry. Same with Cortland Sutton. But Cortland Sutton's a guy that I have my eye on on the buy list going into later in the season and the 2019 offseason. I think this guy's going to be awesome. Got to get Demarius Thomas and his bloated contract out of Denver. But speaking of which, got to get him out of Denver and maybe maybe Case Keenum. Maybe Case gets replaced next year in the rookie draft by a, a Justin Herbert or a Drew Locke type guy. He has not looked good. And I'm not calling him a byproduct of the Pat Shermer offense, but, man, he was definitely a byproduct of the Pat Shermer offense. So definitely not playing Case. I mean, I have one league where I have to play him due to a bye week and a super flex, but I don't love it. I do not love it. Uh, I'm not playing any of the Denver tight ends, whether whether or not Jake Butts on IR or not. Wasn't playing him. Uh, Hurlman or whatever his name is. I, I, I know so little about him I can't even pronounce his name correctly. Get him out of here. The one tight end in Denver that, that I did like and had a little interest in, but he went on IR, was Troy, Troy Fumagalli. Uh, pretty big fan coming out of Wisconsin but you know he's on IR so if he's floating around out there on your waiver wire and you're looking to round out a taxi squad remember that name Troy Fumagalli on the jet side uh, Bilal Powell that's the only person I feel comfortable starting in this matchup Denver gives up an average of five receptions a game to running backs that's Powell's specialty I can't advocate Crowell but I could see where you might have to play him as a flex this week especially with uh, Jordan Howard on by, Tariq Cohen on by. I know some people have been playing uh, Peyton Barber, so you may not have a better option, but you're not going to love it. I'm definitely sitting Sam Darnold. Uh, Robbie Anderson breaks my heart. He had a great season last year. He was a middle-of-the-pack uh, wide receiver, too. They're just not getting him the ball. And unless you're a hardcore dynasty degenerate, pause the podcast without cheating. Name the Jets' tight ends. See, I didn't think you could do it. Uh, it's Chris Herndon and Jordan Lazy Leggett and Eric Tomlin, and I want none of the above. I uh, wouldn't play any of them on a bet, and I, you can bet your ass I wouldn't put any of them in my lineup. My shark in this game is a guy that had a little buzz early, but it's Quincy Anunua. Uh, I think he sees a fair share of Chris Harris Jr. in this game. He's been held to an average of 10 PPR points in his last two. Uh, he'll probably get volume, but I, you're, I think you're playing with fire. But again, 
with Godwin, Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans, Allen Robinson, Tyler Gabriel, all on by, you you may have to. You may have to put him out there as a flex. So uh, not a great week to have to do it. So I'm calling Quincy Anunwa the shark in that game. This next game is crazy. Uh, definitely the game that I'm looking forward to watching in the dugout of my son's Little League game, and that is the Atlanta Falcons at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Holy cow, the over and under in this game is 58 points. That is absurd. That, that, that could be as much as one team scoring 35 points and the other one being in that 24 range. I mean, that's eight touchdowns. That is absolutely crazy. So could be some field goals in there too, but I just see this one being fireworks. So let me give you a, a real quick breakdown of who you should start. Everybody. You can absolutely start everybody. I don't love Hooper, the tight end for Atlanta. He's too sporadic for me. Again, tight end's a mess. And if you were a guy who owned, say, Evan Ingram and your backup was O.J. Howard, you might be in a spot where you have to play a Hooper or a Jesse James is the other guy that I'm avoiding in this game. But those, those two are really it. Uh, I like Vance McDonald, which is why I don't like Jesse James. So outside of those two tight ends, I mean, and again, you could certainly sell me on a narrative where you had to play those two. But this game's going to be fireworks, a lot of fun to watch, and not really much else to beleaguer the point there. So going to move on to Detroit where Green Bay comes to call in. They're giving up a point and a half, so Detroit's a home dog, and the over and under is 51. So, again, a lot of touchdowns. I kind of envision that 27-24 close game, which explains the over and under and the line. Uh, Green Bay side, pretty simple. You're playing Aaron Rodgers. You're playing Devontae Adams if he's healthy. He had a calf injury, uh, supposed to practice a little bit on Saturday. Don't know. Looks like Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb are out. And uh, Jamon Moore and fellow rookie Marquez Valdez-Scantling will be lining up at the wide receiver two and three position. I have no interest in those guys. Uh, as far as the running backs go, if I had to play one, Detroit is a dumpster fire against the run. I'm playing Aaron Jones. I don't want to go as far as to call Aaron Jones a lock start, but in this modern world of the backfield. Uh, I like Aaron Jones. So explosive looking. I just wish I could get Mike McCarthy to like Aaron Jones as much as I liked Aaron Jones. I'm sitting Jay Will, and I don't have to tell you to sit Randall Cobb because he's already out. Uh, I think that hamstring is going to keep him out for a little while. On the Detroit side, pretty simple stuff. I'm starting Matt Stafford, all three wide receivers, Tate, Marvin Jones, and Kenny Galladay. And I, and, and I think... I, I would rather start a, a, a running back like like Theo Riddick over Isaiah Crowell. I was just talking about the Jets a few games ago. Um, Theo's averaging five receptions a game right now, and that's he's not James White, but he he's a he's a little play, you know. In some leagues where you may start 10-11, Scott Fishbowl we start eleven. Uh, Theo would be a play for me. Uh, I'm definitely sitting Blunt and Carry on Johnson. And very similar to the Aaron Jones side. If I had to play one, I'm playing carry on because of the, you just can't deny the talent. But as long as they keep running blunt out there and mixing in Riddick, it's just it's a lot. And going back to Green Bay real quick, if you know if 
Geronimo Allison's out, you could definitely convince me to play Ty Montgomery as well. I could see him getting a lot of slot action, lined up in the backfield, motioning into the slot. Could be a sneaky, sneaky game for Ty Montgomery. Uh, and then my shart in this game is Jimmy Graham. Uh the Lions do not give up a lot to the tight end position. They're one of the tougher teams against the, the tight end position. I know that you can't fade the name, so you, you probably can't get away from him. But that's why we call him a start, because you have to start him. But he could poop all over your lineup, so be prepared for that. Um, let's go to the final 1 o'clock game, which is the Miami Dolphins going to Cincinnati. And... The Bengals are going to give up five and a half points on a 48 and a half point over under. On the Miami side, I'm starting Tannehill, and you may you may say, but 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 Memphis, he just he just had a horrible game against New England, and you're right, he did. But this is a Cincinnati defense that over the first four games of the season have given up 19 points, 18 points, 27 points, and 29 points to opposing quarterbacks. So. I, th- I still think that you can get you can get Tannehill out there if you're desperate. Uh, two QB leagues, obviously he's not a starter in a one QB league. I think you can roll Kenny Stills. Don't love it, but don't hate it. Uh, I'll tell you what I do hate. I hate this Miami backfield. Drake and Gore, uh, none for me, thanks. Uh, Devontae Parker, there's a guy that I secretly root for to be really, really, really good, and he has let me down pretty much consistently for years. So at some point, it's uh, I gotta tell him it's not it's not him, it's me. But in all actuality, it's him because he sucks. And I've gotta tell myself to be smarter and just get off the the Devonte Parker train. Uh, and then one of my favorite rookies coming into the season, Mike Gusecki. You know, he's one of those tight ends that's gonna take time to develop. So not really ready to play him yet. But I'm a big fan. I love his athleticism. I think he has a lot of developing in the, in the NFL. But not every rookie is Evan Ingram, so definitely don't give up on your Gusecki shares. On the Cincinnati side, uh, Mixon's Mixon's back, and looks like he's going to be a play. But if you're in best ball leagues and Mark Walton happens to be out there on the waiver wire, definitely a guy to pick up. Interesting little story in the preseason. Terrell Davis, Hall of Famer from the Denver Broncos, tweeted out that he thought Walton would be the most impactful running back on the Bengals this year. So I don't know that I, I see that, but uh, I think you definitely got to play Mixon. Geo's going to be missing the next two to four weeks with an MCL sprain. Those are going around a lot right now, unfortunately. On the wide receiver side, I don't love it for A.J. Green. Xavier Howard's no joke. He locked up uh, Amari Cooper a couple weeks back. Uh, Boyd has been setting the world on fire. I, I don't bench my studs. I don't care how how tough the matchup is. I'm playing AJ Green. Uh, you got to keep rolling Boyd. He's been white hot. I think you got to keep rolling there. And then uh, you got to sit Croft and Uzuma. I know the Bengals came out and said Uzuma was going to be their guy, but I don't trust it. Uh, could be Croft, could be Uzuma, but I'm not going to find out with either one of them in my lineup, even as desperate as tight end is. It's a wait and see. My shart in this game, my shart is Andy Dalton. And I've heard on a lot of podcasts and a lot of shows this week that a lot of people are like, man, you got you to keep firing up Andy Dalton. And I'm, I'm telling you, I, I just don't see it. This Miami defense is very tough against the quarterback. 
They held Marcus Mariota to two points. Now, in fairness, in that game, he did get hurt, but they held Sam Darnold and Derek Carr to both 13 points apiece, and they held Tom Brady to 19 points, and they were in Foxborough when they held Tom Brady to 19 points. I think this is a much bigger mixing game. I think this is a little bit more of a closer game. If I had to bet anything in this game, I would bet the under. I could really see this being like a 21-17 game, well under that 48.5. So I'm calling Andy Dalton a shark, which I hate to. I've been on Andy all season. Uh, I just don't think this is the week. I think Miami's better against the quarterback than people realize, and the loss of Eifert will hurt Dalton more than people, more than people know. Uh, head to the 4 o'clock games. Oakland going to the L.A. Chargers, which I say they're going to. Uh, Oakland fans will way outnumber Charger fans in this game. But the Chargers are going to give them 6.5 and, and, and a fairly decent 52.5 over and under. Uh, on the Oakland side, I'm starting just about everybody. I'm starting Carr. I'm starting Lynch. I'm starting, Cor- I'm starting Cooper. I'm starting Jordy. And I'm starting Cook. And the two guys that I'll focus on here will be Coop, Cooper and Cook. You, you got to keep rolling Cooper. You know, it's going to be a roller coaster all season. He might give you two for 17, or he might give you eight for 100-plus and a touchdown. You just don't know. It's a mixed bag with this guy, but he's obviously got the talent. I think this offense is just heating up, as evidenced by Carr putting up 437 on what had been a pretty, pretty decent Cleveland defense season to date. Uh, Carr definitely had a better game against this Cleveland defense than even Drew Brees did a couple weeks ago. So, And then Jared Cook quietly having a monster season in this offense. Definitely got to roll him out there. He's someone that if you can catch someone slipping, or maybe Jared, Coop, Jared Cook is someone's number two tight end, that's someone I'm looking to sneaky, sneaky get off of their, off of their bench maybe at a reasonable cost. On the San Diego side, I'm playing them all. I'm everybody but Gates. I love Gates, but I'm, you're hoping for a touchdown. That's the best you can hope hope to get. So since I'm not playing Gates, I'm playing Phil, playing Melvin. Uh, I can even say play, playing Eckler. I'd rather play Eckler again over a guy like Isaiah Crowell, as an example. All three wide receivers, Keenan, the Williamses, Zizzes, and remember, this is a battle of the 16th and the 19th versus the pass defense. And a 52.5 over and under pretty much make that point. Next 4 o'clock game is the Arizona Cardinals going to the San Francisco 49ers, where the Niners are giving up four. I, I don't think the Niners can win this game. Really low over and under, the second lowest one of the day at 40 points. Uh, I'm starting DJ. Looked much better last week, got a lot more volume. Uh, the buy window on David Johnson may be closing rather quickly, so might have one last chance to get in a, a reasonable price bid before that window closes. Uh, Christian Kirk, I think he's going to be fine in PPR. I would not start him unless I'm getting a catch premium. Ricky Seals-Jones, the official tight end of the Dynasty War Zone. Not yet the official tight end of the Fantasy Red Zone, but Ricky Seals-Jones. Uh, you know, facing a San Francisco defense that's given up four TDs to the tight end position and an average of five receptions per game. So uh, you got to roll him out there. Hopefully he can stop dropping the ball. Uh, not ready to, to trust Fitz. And Fitz is kind of like Derek Thomas. I'm, yeah, um, Demarius Thomas, excuse me. 
you know, these guys that we, you know, have loved for years, eventually at some point, father time wins. And I'm not saying Larry's lost that battle yet, but he's fighting a hamstring. Not a lot of familiarity with Rosen, the new quarterback, who I'm also not starting. Uh, I almost la- labeled uh, Fitzgerald a shark. I just couldn't do that to the man. Uh, on the San Francisco side, I'm definitely starting Matt Breda, and you could definitely convince me to start Alf. These Arizona Cardinals have given up 31.2 fantasy points a game up to the running back position. So I think Breda's going to eat if, let's say, that 30-point you know, season average holds true for the for the 49ers. I would say that Breda would probably get like in that 20 range, and Alf may get 10. I could see Alf plodding along for 40 yards and maybe falling in the end zone. And uh, I don't love it for Kittle as Arizona's top five versus the tight end. But, you know, again, you may not be able to get away from him. So rolling him, not playing uh, Bethard or any of the wide receivers, that feels like a big stinky trap. So I'm out on those guys. Uh, Going to go to the afternoon, what feels like the afternoon game of the week. I'm sure it'll be on Fox. And uh, unless you're watching, like, a, a local team, this is the game we'll probably all be watching in the afternoon. Or if you're like me, you'll be glued to the Red Zone channel after baseball. Uh, on the Minnesota side, obviously starting Christian, I'm sorry, Kirk Cousins. Too many Kirks. It's like a wheel of fortune before and after. Christian Kirk Cousins. I do a lot too with Amari Cooper Cup. But anyway, back to the game and enough with the silliness, at least for now. Uh, definitely starting Kirk Cousins, Thielen, Diggs, and Rudolph. Uh, no brainer. I am sitting Latavius Murray, uh, even if he's listed as the starter. No thanks. This is the number one ranked rush defense in the league. And the last time Murray got a starter's workload, he looked like hell. So none for me. On the Philly side, I'm starting Wentz, starting Alshon, and of course I'm starting Ertz. Love Ertz. He uh, he's feel like the most consistent tight end this year, even more so than Kelsey. Uh, Gronk's been okay, not been in the end zone enough. Uh, I'm sitting all the RBs. I know Corey Clement looks like he'll probably be out. Same with Darren Sproles. That leaves Wendell Smallwood and Jay Ajayi. If you're looking for a Hail Mary or a real, 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 real cheap flex in DFS, I could see sneaking Wendell Smallwood in there, hoping to justify his cheap cost, but uh, maybe. But I, I, I prefer to sit all the running backs in in Philadelphia. I know Ajayi can be a play, but the guy's got a broken back. He could take, I mean, one hit and be done for the game or done for the season. So I'd prefer to fade Ajayi if I could get away from him. Uh, the shart of this game, I have two. This is a dual shart. Uh, Dalvin Cook, even if he's named the starter, I am out. This is the number one rush defense, and his hammy does not jive with me. We saw Len- Leonard Fournette last week get cleared to play. Wasn't there very long, and he was right back out. He didn't look right last week against the Rams. I would just prefer to stay away. Uh, th- th- as bad as this sounds, and, and you can take me to task all you want, at DFF Memphis on Twitter, but I would rather start Isaiah Crowell over Dal- Dalvin Cook. At least Crowell's healthy. Um, he's running behind a bad offensive line and what will probably be a negative game script, but I feel like I can just trust him more. So I, it, it, with Dalvin Cook, it's not a talent thing. It's a matchup and, a, and an injury thing. So I'm calling Dalvin Cook a shark. And same with Nelson Aguilar. He's been okay in PPR, but his drops have been horrible. And you add in the return of Jordan Matthews, who is stealing work out of the slot. Uh, doesn't matter 
how much Matthew sucks. They're going to continue to put him in the slot a little bit, which impacts him. And Aguilar has not looked the same since Carson Wentz has been back and Foles has been gone. So I'm calling him a shark. Expect poop on your lineup card if you got Aguilar in there. Uh, going to the Rams, they're heading north to Seattle and what used to be the toughest place to play in the NFL up there in Seattle. Uh, with the Rams, this is also another one of those real easy ones. You start them all except the tight end. I would love to see one of these two tight ends break out, but I really think the that Cooper Cup in the slot, because he's a big guy, he's 6'2". I think he kind of plays that role of a tight end or that, you know, the, the tight end that will line up in the slot. Uh, I just don't ever see Higby or Gerald Everett being a thing, and they're damn sure not going to be a, a thing in this game. I'm a fade. On the Seattle side, I'm still starting Russ. I know he's not been running this year, but I'm not going to feel like a moron playing an Andy Dalton or a Joe Flacco and getting cute and benching Russell Wilson just to have him go bananas. We saw what Kirk Cousins did to this Rams defense last week, and there's not as much teeth to it now that Aqib Tlaib is hurt. Marcus Peters is playing hurt. Uh, I could see where you would play Baldwin. I don't love Lockett, but you know I, I see him more as a best ball play. I'm not playing Vanette, but I'll go back to the Rams and the Vikings game just real quick. They had five 100-yard receivers in that game last week. So as, as tough as the LA Rams defense can be and as bad as the Seattle offensive line can be, I'm still playing Russ, and I think Baldwin and Lockett could both see significant work in this game. As far as the, the sits in this game, I'm sitting the tight end, and I'm sitting all three running backs. Uh, if, I, if I had to play one, gun to my head, forced decision, I'm playing Chris Carson, but I don't like it. Um, we saw Davis, Mike Davis get in the game last week, and then Rashard Penny. I don't want to go as far as to call him the new Eddie Lacy, but he is already having weight issues. And, you know, no, no shaming, not body shaming Rashard Penny, but this is the NFL. You're a professional athlete, and your body is how you make your livelihood. So hopefully he, he uh, sheds that freshman 15 and can turn it around over the back half of the season, but I'm not playing any of those running backs in Seattle. Uh, going to Sunday night, the Houston Texans hosting the Dallas Cowboys for the Battle of Texas, where Houston's given up three and a half. On the Dallas side, I'm starting Zeke, and you know what? I'm ca I'm calling my shot. You can play Dak Prescott this week. I said last week when other people were calling Andrew Luck a sit against this very same Texans defense that, you know, you could play him. Eli Manning had a good game against this team. Eli Manning completed 25 of 29 for 300 yards and two touchdowns against Houston. And you know what? If the ghost of Eli Manning can do it, and then Andrew Luck completed 42 passes against him, you know what? Dak, Dak can have an okay game. I'm not scared of Dak. I don't know who he's going to complete passes to. They'll figure that out as they go. But uh, this Houston defense has given up 10 passing TDs and only one interception. I'm sitting all the wide receivers. I saw a glimmer out of Michael Gallup. Uh, at the wide receiver core, but I'm not playing any of the wide receivers, and I'm not playing any of the tight ends either. I know some people are excited about Swaim, but I am not one of those people. So on the Dallas side, it's just Dak, and it's just Zeke for me. On the Houston side, uh, rolling DeAndre Hopkins. If he's breathing and on the field, he's in my lineup. And then I'm playing Will Fuller if he goes, because he's got a hamstring issue. 
And then if Will Fuller can't go and Kiki QT goes, then I would be playing QT. I'd be playing Hopkins and Fuller over QT, but if Fuller's out, you can play QT too. Um, I'm not going anywhere near Lamar Miller. Dallas has been a really good defense. They're only giving up about 75 yards per average. Now, they are giving up a lot of receptions to the running back. Dallas has given up approximately eight receptions a game to the running back. So maybe Lamar Miller can bail you out with some PPR goodness. But, man, hard to get away from Lamar Miller. Maybe he can help you out in that new uh, pass-catching role, but I'm not banking on it. Uh, not playing the the Texans tight end situation is as bleak as the one in Dallas. It's not Aikens. It's not Steven Anderson. It's not I, none of the none of the above. Another none of the above. And then my chart for this game is Deshaun Watson. Dallas has, has excuse me. Dallas has 14 sacks on the season. They're getting David Irvin back from suspension. The Texans just gave up four sacks to Indy last week. And Dallas has only given up five TDs all year to the quarterback position. Uh, they played uh, Cam Newton tough. They played Matthew Stafford pretty tough. I just think people see this Dallas defense and they think that they're going to run the score up on them. And I'm going to say not so fast, my friend. I think Deshaun Watson could be in your lineup and wind up pooping on your lineup. And we'll go to the last game of the week. That is the Washington Redskins coming off their bye going down to Nolens, where they will be getting six and a half points from those Saints on a 52 and a half point over and under. On the Washington side, fire up Alex Smith. I like Alex Smith over a lot of guys this week. Uh, I'll call my shot, and you guys can blow me up on Twitter at DFF Memphis. I'm saying Alex Smith will have a better game against New Orleans than Patrick Mahomes will against the Jacksonville Jaguars. This Saints defense is 31st versus the QB. They've given up 11 TDs. Uh, it's a great matchup. I think Chris Thompson will be heavily involved as it could be a game script battle. Uh, New Orleans has given up four and a half receptions per game. I think this is a shootout. Uh, now New Orleans is number two against the tight end. I don't care because Jordan Reed's more of a wide receiver. And I think Jordan Reed looks like Jordan Reed. Let's just hope he doesn't get injured like Tyler Eifert, knock on wood, and the tight end position needs more guys like Jordan Reed healthy. And then at the wide receiver position, I, I want I want none of the above. I'm not playing Crowder, not playing Richardson, I'm not playing Doxon. Kind of like with the Seattle backfield gun to my head, I would probably play Crowder as the Saints just lost their nickel corner, Patrick Robinson, for the year on IR. And the guy who replaced him, I think it's P.J. Williams or Williamson, he's a, he's a, a sieve. So they could definitely beat up on that matchup, but I'm not going to find out my lineup. On the New Orleans side, you're playing Breeze, you're playing Michael Thomas, and uh, I will say this, Josh Norman has not been shadowing as much this year, but he, they may make an exception because Michael Thomas has been so exceptional. See what I did there? Uh, but you're rolling Michael Thomas. I don't care who he's locked up on. Uh, you're rolling him out there. And then earlier I called Christian McCaffrey the prince of the new satellite back PPR pass catching back well the king the king of those backs is Alvin Kamara with his 34 point a game PPR average over the first four weeks this guy's going bananas now this next guy that I'm going to talk about may eat into that workload but let's be honest if Mark Ingram comes back 
and holds true to his previous three-year statistical average of 16 points a game. That still leaves Alvin Kamara right there at that 19-20 range. Um, and this is what I predicted in the offseason. I predicted it on the Dynasty Warzone. I predicted it on the GOAT District podcast that they would come out hot, really lean on Kamara, and then when Ingram gets back, they're going to lean on Ingram. This is a team with Super Bowl aspirations, and Mark Ingram's a 29-year-old running back on the last year of his deal. Uh, it's mutually uh, beneficial. The Saints need to lean on him to try to take some some reps away from Kamara to keep him fresh. And Ingram needs to show his future employers, because I don't think he'll be back in New Orleans next year, that he can still ball. So he can get that one-year, two-year deal and uh, make a little bit of money on the back end of his career. So I'm playing Breeze, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, and Ingram. I'm sitting Watson. Um, much like a lot of tight ends, I understand, but I would be looking for better options. I'm also avoiding the second wide receiver, Traquan Smith, Ted Ginn, Cam Meredith, and no, no. Uh, Washington's defense against the pass is tough enough, and just can't see myself pressing my, my, my luck too much. And then my shard in this game, the final shard of the week is Adrian Peterson. Now, he's already been in a walking boot. Now, he's shed the boot, DOS boot, and he's been out there practicing. Uh, but I see this being A, game script, and B, I just... You know, he, he had a couple of good games last year, and then he, he faded away. So I, I'm trying to avoid it. If I had to choose right now between AP and Crowell, that would be tough. I would probably go AP, but I don't love it. I, I feel bad because I'm, I'm an Isaiah Crowell fan, using him as a measuring stick of uh, the poopy running back situations. But, hey, that is where we are, and that is the end of this edition of the Dynasty Warzone fantasy red zone collaboration remember if you like this podcast you like my starts and sits and not to put myself over too strong but i've been pretty accurate so far i've done a really nice job i missed one or two here or there like the kareem hunt last year excuse me not last year last week see i'm already making mistakes now but been pretty accurate been uh doing a pretty good job with it so i i hope you're enjoying it again please give me any of your feedback at dff memphis this is, like I said, it's my side hustle, trying to wrangle up some more guests like the fun we had last week with uh, Kyle of the FF Fellas and AJ and G of the Aussie Guys. Due to my personal schedule, it's been a crazy week at work and uh, just sometimes you got to work work and pay those bills because if you don't pay your bills, they will shut your shit off. And that includes your internets and without any internets, there's no podcast. So listen, go out there. Get those lineups set. Make some trades. Make some deals. Here's my challenge for you. Every league you're in, you owe that league one trade. Might be a big trade. Might be a blockbuster. Might be one to get the whole league buzzing. It may be something small. It may be you offering a second-round pick trying to pick up Mark Ingram because, you know, you're a contender. And a contender could use a Mark Ingram down the stretch. So go out there. Make some trades. Be a good league mate. Get in the group chat. Get them fired up. Have fun. Uh, if you got any start sit questions outside of what I cover today, hit me up at DFF Memphis. I will answer you. If you have a poll, if you have anything like that, hit the Dynasty War Zone. I will retweet them. I do that because of the way that the followers work. So if you want a retweet of your poll, cool beans. Hit at fantasy underscore red zone or at Dynasty War Zone Pod. 
And if you want me to give you a little bit of background music as to why I'm picking what I'm picking, hit up at DFF Memphis. But until next time, thank you for tuning in. Good luck in week five, and I will see you exclusively here on the Fantasy Red Zone channel next week for week six. Thank you.